0: Today, we're kicking off a new sermon series, and the sermon series is called World Turned Upside Down. And uh, the idea behind the sermon series, one aspect of it comes from the fact that for many of us right now, our world feels like it's been turned upside down. I mean, I don't know about you, but me as a millennial, if I think back to like six weeks ago, I was told that because I ordered DoorDash and get food delivery to my house, you know, it was lazy. It was a waste of money. Can't you just go pick it up yourself? And then now things have been turned upside down, right? People are saying, hey, look, one of the best things you can do for a small business is to go and order food delivery to your door. It's it's a sacrificial act. It's not lazy. It's noble. So things have kind of been flipped around a little bit. Or if you think about parents, I mean, think six to eight weeks ago, you were telling your kids, please. Put away your devices. I don't want to see the Chromebook. I don't want to see your phone. I don't want to see any of the screens. And then now during the day, you're begging them, right? Open up your Chromebook. Get your phone. Do your online learning. Get it done for the day. And then even in the evening, you know, you know, the, the, the a lot of the screen time restrictions have gone out the window because you're like, hey, I, I just I just need you to just get on the screen and give me a little break here, right? Things have been turned upside down a little bit in this crazy season. And and then even with like the weather and traffic, I mean, I used to check the weather and the traffic all day, every day, because, you know, going to church or going here and there, but now, you know what? We don't have to check the traffic. It doesn't matter anymore. The weather, well, I mean, yeah, we have bad weather, but we're not really going anywhere. Things have been turned upside down. And now those are kind of like, you know, silly, maybe more insignificant examples. But for many of you, in a lot bigger ways, your worlds have been turned upside down. I mean, think about it. For many of you, you were working 40 plus hours a week and figuring out how to manage your money. And now you're working zero hours a week and you don't have a lot of money to manage. Kids and students, uh, I feel for you during this time because when I was a kid, the thing I looked forward to the most during this time of the year was, can you guess it? Field day. Okay, field day in May. I was never even that athletic, but I always wanted my class to win. I was looking forward to field day. You don't have that anymore, right? And, uh, you know, right now, seniors, you were looking forward to graduation and dances and prom, saying goodbye to your friends in the school year, getting yearbook signed. And now all of that uh, seems like a distant memory. And now there's a lot of uncertainty about when you'll see your friends again or when events will take place. Your world has been turned upside down. I mean, for, for all of us, we used to kind of have this idea that perhaps we're just going to kind of continue on with our lives going in the direction they are, and we're just going to kind of live, live forever, right? We didn't give much thought to, to life and sickness and other things, but now we know that things have changed, and we're a lot more aware of, of the fragile nature of life. So things have been turned upside down, and as things have been turned upside down, we've been asking a lot of questions. Families, businesses, individuals, and churches have been asking questions like, well, w- what do we do next? What does the future hold for us? Where do we go from here? How do we even continue on? And these are big, important questions. And this morning, these are some of the questions that I want to talk with you about, particularly as they relate to our local church, and to the church universal in the midst of our worlds being turned upside down. But but in the series, it's not just gonna be based on our world currently. It's also gonna be based on the world of the disciples 2,000 years ago after Jesus rose from the grave. And and we find their world in the book of Acts. That's the book that we're gonna be studying on Wednesday nights in Bible study and on Sunday morning together. And the book of Acts tells us about the disciples after Easter, right? That's that's the season we're in now. After Easter, after Jesus rose from the grave, we read about uh, what things were like for them. And if you think about the disciples in the early church, I mean, their worlds were, were turned upside down and flipped all sorts of different ways because on Good Friday, they saw Jesus, the man they had followed, be crucified. They watched him die and hope was gone for them. They didn't know the future; They didn't know what was up ahead. And so their world was turned upside down. But then Jesus rose from the grave, right? We celebrated that last week at Easter with huge celebrations, churches all over the world online. I mean, it, it was an awesome celebration celebrating Jesus rose from the grave and that turned everything upside down for them again. Because now they realize Jesus was who he said he was. He was the Savior, the the Messiah, the King of Kings. And and they were so excited. They were pumped and they were like, look, we're gonna keep following this guy forever. We're gonna keep following him the rest of our lives and and do what he says and let him guide us. But then Jesus tells them one day, he says, hey, look guys, I'm actually uh, gonna leave. I'm gonna leave you. I'm gonna ascend into heaven and sit at the right hand Of God, my Father, our Lord Almighty. I'm gonna sit at His right hand, and so I'm gonna leave you. And so when Jesus said, I'm gonna leave you, they were probably concerned, they were probably confused, they probably had a lot of questions. And again, their world was turned upside down. And they were asking those same questions that we are in this season Where do we go from here? What does the future hold for us? How can we continue on without Jesus? And thankfully, in one of his final conversations with the disciples in the book of Acts, Jesus, he begins to answer some of their questions. He begins to answer some of these big questions about the future. And this is the passage we're going to be looking at this morning, Acts chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them up. Acts chapter 1, we're going to be going through it in the season. And so you can begin, I just encourage you to begin reading a chapter a day in it. Uh, follow along with us, and Acts is uh, an amazing book. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible, and I think it is a book that is especially relevant to us right now, because if you think about it, the disciples they didn't they didn't know exactly what was next. They didn't have it all laid out for them. They were figuring things out a day at a time, and what it means to be church like we are now. And so in this season where we're trying to figure out what is church, uh, what is church without a building? How do we do ministry? In this new context, when the world feels like it's been turned upside down, this is a book of great guidance. And now, the book of Acts—it's not—it's—it's it's ACTS, not AXE. It's not like axe body spray, okay, or like an axe you chop wood with. Because it tells about the acts of the apostles, the early church, or as other people have said, it tells us about acts—the actions of the Holy Spirit. And so, we're going to begin right at the beginning this morning, Acts chapter one, verse one. So, if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and grab those. And here is what we read. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. So, right here, I want I want to just point something out. I mean, here we read verse one in my former book. And so the person writing this is a man named Luke, and his former book is the Gospel of Luke. And so Acts, you could think of as the sequel to Luke. So Luke tells about the actions of Jesus' life and his mission and ministry. Acts is the mission and ministry of Jesus continued through the early church. And he's writing it to this man named Theophilus. And so he's writing this orderly account, and in verse 3 he continues. He says, After Jesus' suffering, he showed himself to these men, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He said, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit." So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. men of Galilee. They said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So did you catch the final words of Jesus in this passage? Did you catch him? They come after the disciples ask Jesus this question. They're basically saying, Jesus, are, you, are now are you're gonna do what we expected you to do? Are you gonna establish your kingdom? Are you gonna kick out the political authorities? Are you, are you gonna redo things like we've been hoping for now that you rose from the grave? And Jesus basically tells them, hey, hey look, uh, you know what? I don't want you to worry about dates and times. I don't want you to worry about the future and what I have planned for the future. Instead, he tells them, I want you to worry about the future that, that I have for you. He, he gives them a future to focus on themselves. And we find this these, these details for the future in Acts chapter one, verse eight, one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. And so I'm gonna read it again, these final words of Jesus. And if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to highlight these, circle them and star them. And here's what Jesus says. He says to the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And and it's with these final words of Jesus that he brings the future into focus. Okay, I want you to see these final words of Jesus bring the future into focus. It brings the disciples' future into focus and it helps bring our future into focus as well. Because it's here in these final words of Jesus that we see the answer to this question. uh, What's next? What is our purpose? What are we called to do? And Jesus tells them very clearly their purpose. He, He says, look, your purpose as the church is now to build huge buildings and to have potluck dinners with macaroni and cheese and fried chicken from now until I return, right? No, he doesn't say that, okay? That, that's the Jonathan Anderson version. Uh, that's, that's not what he says. He says, look, from here on out, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. That is the purpose that he gives to them. And that's the purpose that Jesus has also given to you and to me, to be witnesses. And now you might be wondering, you know, what exactly is a witness? And, you know, one way to think about it is to think in terms of a courtroom, right? Uh, What is a witness? A witness is someone who has seen, heard, and experienced something, and they go and they tell or they show others. And so, I mean, you know, you can witness to many things, not just Jesus Christ and what he's done in your life. I mean, our neighborhood, we have a Facebook group, and uh, a couple weeks ago, somebody, somebody served as a witness, and they posted, and they said, look... I went to the Dollar General near the neighborhood, and they have toilet paper. They said, look, I've witnessed it with my own eyes. Here is a picture of the brand. This is the good kind, not the bad kind. It is available right now. You need to go and get it, right? They were witnesses to the fact that the store had toilet paper. And guess what? I know a lot of people listened to them. People were very grateful that they served as a witness. I'll give you a witness right now. Here is my son, Patrick. Does he look like me? Yeah. Can you see it? Um, People are always asking to see pictures. So there's a picture of him. But I want to witness to this thing that he's wearing. Baby Merlin's magic sleep suit. They're not paying me. They're not paying me for product placement here. But this suit is amazing. Okay. It's like a swaddle transition suit. And when we put him in there, he goes out. And I have shared this suit with many people and I've had many friends buy it because I've have, I have experienced its goodness, I've experienced its power, and I want other people to have it as well. And that's what being a witness is. is showing and telling others what we've seen, heard, and experienced. And, and what Jesus says to these apostles, he says, look, your purpose is to go and be witnesses for me. Tell other people the good news you've experienced. Tell other people about my grace my forgiveness, my love. Tell other people about the transformation that I've done in your lives. And then when those people are transformed, go have them tell others as well. And the story of Acts is really the story of the early church bearing witness to Jesus and that message spreading throughout the world. And if you think about it, you're here this morning because somebody witnessed to you. Right, Maybe, maybe you, you just jumped on because somebody uh, shared the live stream. They said, hey, you should come check out what's happening at our church and learn more about Jesus. Maybe it was a grandmother or a Sunday school teacher growing up who shared who Jesus was to them and what he had done in their lives. Somebody was a witness to you. They introduced you to Jesus. It transformed your life. And once we've had our lives transformed by the good news of Jesus, Jesus calls us to go out and to be witnesses to other people. And kids, the good news about this is that that you don't have to be a certain age to be a witness. You can be young like Abigail and you can share of the great things that God has done for you and that he lives inside of you. A pandemic can't stop us from being witnesses because you're a witness through social media. You're a witness in your household. Jesus calls us to be witnesses. That is the purpose we find that he gives us in these final words. But he not only gives us our our purpose, he also begins to to name the places that we're called to live out this purpose. And so if you notice in the verse, he says, look, you're to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So if you think about it in terms of where they were, I mean, they were located at that time in Jerusalem. Judea was a region Samaria was another region nearby. Now, Samaria was a region they didn't want to go to because they didn't like the people there. But he says, you need to go there as well. And then he says, go to the ends of the earth. And this is actually how the book of Acts is organized. It begins in Jerusalem. Then they go out to Judea and Samaria. And then ultimately, in the end, we see the disciples going to the ends of the earth. And so one way to think about this in terms of our own lives today is that Jesus calls us to be witnesses here, near, and far. Here. In our households, in our homes, in Henry County, nearby in Georgia, in Atlanta, South Georgia, and far away to the ends of the earth. Countries like Nicaragua, uh, Asia, and beyond, right? And so right now, we, we can't go far away. We're not even really supposed to be going to, to places that are, that are super nearby. So we're called to be witnesses right now, here, in our homes, in Henry County right where God has planted us. And then he calls us to go out and to continue to witness to all people in all places. And why does he call us to witness to all people in all places? It's because the good news of Jesus, that he came into this world for us and for our salvation so that we could know him and have a relationship with him. This good news is for all people everywhere. And so he calls us to go to all of those places. He answers this question, where where do we go from here, he, he says, go here, near, and far. But then as he, he gives this purpose and these places to live it out, there's also a caveat. I don't know if you noticed this. He says, look, as you go out and do these things, you, you don't need to go out and try to do it on your own. You need to go and do these things by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you and through you. He says, don't, don't go and try to do this without the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. And now I know when we, we start talking about the Holy Spirit, it makes some people uncomfortable. Because, you know, we can imagine Jesus, right? We've, we've seen the movies. We've read about his ministry. Jesus was fully God. But he was also fully human. So we can relate to him in a way. Uh, we can relate to 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 God, our Heavenly Father. you know We can kind of conceptualize that relationship. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we're, we're not really sure what a spirit is. And it's often not talked about in church. So it can kind of be a little bit mysterious. And maybe you're in a tradition growing up uh, where they called it the Holy Ghost. Okay, If you grew up in a church where they called it the Holy Ghost, type Holy Ghost in the chat. And so maybe Holy Ghost, you're like, well, that's kind of scary. Who wants a ghost in their life? And, and so there's a lot of uncertainty about the Holy Spirit and in our Bible study, somebody said something really profound. They said, I think another reason that that we shy away from the Holy Spirit and talking and learning about the Holy Spirit is because if the Holy Spirit is, is going to live in us and empower us, then that means that we have to give up control. And we have to give up power in our own lives. And a lot of us, quite honestly, don't like to give up control. Uh, we don't like to give up power. And, and so the Holy Spirit can be can be a little different for us. But throughout Acts, we're going to see the Holy Spirit over and over again. And I imagine for the disciples, the Holy Spirit was a little bit mysterious for them as well. Because after all, Jesus had said, look, the Holy Spirit is going to come after me. Uh, One is coming, and this Spirit is going to guide you. The Spirit is going to direct you. The Spirit is going to comfort you. And now he says, look, this Spirit is going to give you power. But they were probably still a little bit nervous and weren't quite sure what to expect. And Jesus says, look, the Spirit isn't, isn't here yet. You need to go. And do you see what he says to do? He says, you need to go and wait. He says, you need to go and wait. Well, actually, he says, don't go. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. And waiting is hard. And we see that the disciples, They waited. Acts chapter 1, they waited, and we find them in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit. But then in Acts chapter 2, we see that in the midst of their waiting, the Holy Spirit descends upon the church. It fills them with God's presence, and it fills them with God's power, and the Holy Spirit is doing a transformative work in all these people. And we see this as they begin speaking in foreign languages, but we also see the Spirit's power on display when Peter, when Peter, a disciple who just weeks before had denied Jesus, had deserted Jesus. He, he, he was kind of timid and, and scared. Now we see Peter, this guy who denied Jesus, now we see him standing up and boldly proclaiming Jesus and what he's done. In Acts chapter 2, he gives an amazing sermon about who Jesus is and what he's done. And then Peter really gives the first altar call. He he says, look, now that I've shared this message, people say, well, what do we do? And he says, you need to repent of your sins. That means you need to turn away from them. You need to believe in the name of the Lord Jesus, be saved, be baptized, and the Holy Spirit will fill you. And we we, we read that that day, the church grew from 120 people to 3,000 people, 120 to 3,000 in about 30 minutes. Okay. That is amazing. That is the Holy Spirit's power at work. And this week, as I was reading, reading this passage, I mean, I I began to think, what would have happened if the disciples hadn't waited on the Holy Ghost? What if they would have said, you know what? I don't know about this. Why do we need to wait on the Holy Spirit to give us power? We can go tell people about Jesus on our own, we can go to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. We don't We don't really need the Holy Spirit. I mean, what if they had just gone on and, and lived out this purpose Jesus had given them without the Holy Spirit? I mean, my guess is that that they probably would have made some converts. People would have come to know and believe in Jesus. But what happened in those 30 minutes with the Holy Spirit's power was more than they could have done on their own in 30 years of ministry. And I've been thinking about this because I think a lot of times in our churches, we try to do stuff on our own, right? And we think, you know, if we just had a better preacher, then God would do amazing things in our church. If we just had better music, or if we had a better location, if we had better coffee, if we just had more resources, if we had better leaders, if we had we had better all this stuff, we think if we just had more of this and more of that, then... God would begin doing amazing things through us. We think that as a church sometimes, and we also think that as individuals sometimes. Sometimes we think, you know what? If, if I just, if I just have more experience with this whole church thing, then then God would really work through me. If I just have more knowledge of the Bible, or if I just have more Sundays under my belt, or if I if I just have more gifts from God, or, or more money or resources or more free time, then. God would work in amazing ways through me like we see in the book of Acts. But what I want you to see here is that the group of people who begins to transform the world, these apostles, these are the same apostles that Jesus called on the seashores of Galilee. These people were uneducated. They didn't have a lot of experience in ministry. They didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have all this political power. But what they did have is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in them. And the power of the Holy Spirit was able to do more than they could have ever imagined doing on their own. And just as Jesus chose to use them, He has chosen to use me and He has chosen to use you. And He doesn't want us to do it on our own. He wants us to live out His mission and His ministry through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. As I was studying this week, I was reminded of a time when Emily and I went to San Diego. Uh, I was thinking of the Holy Spirit and all this different stuff. I, I was thinking back to this trip when uh, we were younger, you know, back in those days when we were young. Uh, we, w- we went on this trip to San Diego, and one of the things we did there was a bike tour. And I love bike tours when I go to a new city because you can quickly see things and get a view for stuff. And if you've ever been to San Diego, then you know that it is a place with a lot of mountains and a lot of hills. And so we are on this bike tour, and you know, like just the bike would have been really rough, but thankfully, this is my first time on an electric bike. And the electric bike was amazing because it had what's called pedal assist. And so when you were going up a hill, Uh, the engine would kind of kick in a little bit and give you a little extra boost. And so you'd pedal, you'd still have to work, but it would just kind of give you a little push. But then something amazing happened. Then our guide who was in front of us, he told us, look, these bikes, they don't just have pedal assist. These bikes also have a throttle. And so when we were going up those hills, he said, oh yeah, you know, don't worry about pedal assist. You can pedal a little bit, but you need to just hit the thing full throttle. And so when we were going up these huge hills, we'd hit full throttle and we would just fly. We would fly. We would go faster than we ever thought we could on a bicycle uphill. We were going so far. I mean, we were, we were riding miles and miles on the bikes further and faster than we could have ever imagined. And, and this story came to mind because I think this is a good metaphor for the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Because you see, the Apostle Paul, he says this. He says that when we belong to Christ— The Holy Spirit lives in us. And so if you're a Christian, uh, if you've repented of your sins, if you've believed in Jesus and you have a relationship with him, uh, the Holy Spirit lives in you. So he says that on the one hand, but then also later he says, look, you Christians need to be filled with the Holy Spirit which is interesting because we have the Holy Spirit, but then he says we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And here he's speaking in, the, in this present continual tense. And basically what he's saying is, you need to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit over and over again. And so it leads to this question, how do we move from, from just having the Holy Spirit within us to being filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit and having the Holy Spirit's presence and power tangible in our lives? Or how do we move from pedal assist to living with full throttle? And the answer is this idea of surrender. It's surrendering ourselves, our lives, our desires, our dreams, our ways, our own power. And saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need your presence and your power at work in me. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, it begins with surrender, but then it continues through prayer, through a daily simple prayer of saying to God, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't live out the purpose you've given me. I can't be a witness on my own because on my own, I'm not loving. I'm kind of ugly, actually. On my own, I'm not very kind. On my own, I'm not very patient. I need your spirit at work within me. So Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me again today? Being filled with the Holy Spirit begins with surrender. And it happens every day as we come before God and we say to God, God, would you fill me today? Give me your power, your presence to live out the purpose you've given me and all the different places you've called me to do it. And I'll close with this. Many years ago, I was uh, beginning in ministry and I went around interviewing different pastors and I said, hey, what advice would you give to somebody who was just starting out? And I'll never forget, there was this one pastor, he, he had led a large church in, in Tennessee, one of the largest Methodist churches there. He was at the end of his career. And he said, Jonathan, what you need to do every day is say to God once again, Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me, guide me. I need you. And I think that's advice not only for people who are in professional ministry, but people who are in the ministry like you are of sharing Jesus and being a witness to him for the world. And so this morning, the way I want to close our time together is by simply entering into a time of prayer and saying to God, God, would you fill us again? Would you fill us as individuals? Would you fill our church? Would you fill us to overflowing so that you might be made known to the world? Because God can do more in 30 minutes with the Holy Spirit's power at work in us than we can do in 30 years on our own. And so let's pray and ask that together. Holy Spirit, as we sang earlier, you are welcome here. You are welcome here in our homes. You're welcome here in our bedrooms, in our living rooms. You are welcome here in our hearts. And you are welcome here in our church. So God, we ask that you would help us be people who are willing to surrender our own preferences our own power, our own ideas. God, help us to see that we can't do any of this on our own. To be your people in this world at this time, we need your power and your presence at work within us. And so God, we ask this morning that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. May your Spirit touch us in the deepest places of our hearts. May your presence comfort us in these difficult times. May your presence guide us. And may your presence empower us to be witnesses in this world for you. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you... Uh, received that prayer this morning and are making that prayer your own love for you to type amen in the chat and this week i want to encourage you to pray that every day just simply when you get up in the morning pray children families pray it together at breakfast come holy spirit fill us once again and uh, this week i'd encourage you to begin reading through the book of acts in your devotional times write down questions you have send them to me join us for bible studies on wednesday night at seven o'clock PM uh, because I'm excited about how God is going to guide us in this new season and how in this turned upside down world, he's going to use us to help be his transforming agents. And so I want to thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, Once again, you can share the service once it's over. Uh, Log onto our website, connect with us in this season. And uh, as we close out, I encourage you to say hello to people in the chat. Uh, text somebody from the church on your phone or somebody God's put on your heart. And we hope to see you again next week. And uh, Austin is going to play us out on the guitar. And so I hope you have a good week.